welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Awesome. Well, I want to introduce to you really, um, well, not really quickly, I want to introduce to you Matt and Sarah. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Matt and Sarah have, um, do you want to come up, Matt? You want, yeah, come on, everyone, awesome. This is Matt and Sarah Darima, and um, and long story short, um, like we'll explain in a little bit more detail our, our immediate plan for um, this community on the 27th, but from the very start of Empower Church, we had it in our heart to be a church planting church, and in fact, when we were pioneering the north, when we were pioneering out here, we felt the Lord speak to us simultaneously and say, I want you to take a step of faith and I want you to pioneer another community at the same time. And then praise the Lord for COVID-19 and all the lockdowns. And so since then, we've had it in our heart. We've just been taking these baby steps to pioneering it. About 18 months ago, 12, 18 months ago, um, we, had a, we had a Sunday gathering where we prayed for Matt and Sarah to kind of launch out um, into the eastern suburbs of Melbourne to plant what was Empower East. If you, um, what's at the heart of, I suppose, the strategy, the God strategy for us is we want to pioneer four apostolic hubs, so church planting communities in the north, the east, the west, the south. The north, east, west, south spells news. And so our strategy is to, to do that. And so Matt and Sarah, um, so courageously and faith-filled in the midst of COVID, said, hey, that is where we're at. And, um, and they stepped out um, into doing that. And so they've been gathering in different forms, some at home, some in venues, some at the park, some like, like we all did when COVID was going on, and uh, have just really established this absolutely wonderful, thriving healthy uh, community follow, of followers of Jesus in the eastern suburbs. And so they're currently, um, they're, they're kind of Sunday gathering point outside of homes. The, the venue is in Blackburn South. So around that Blackburn, Burwood area. And it's really, really exciting to see what God is doing. You know, when we first, you've heard probably me talk about this idea that we see Empower as a new wineskin. And we've always had this conversation of just going, well, we don't really entirely know what that means. And so the important thing about a wineskin is that it's soft and flexible and moldable. And one of the things that we've always had in our heart is we don't want to assume where the Spirit's going to stretch the wineskin. You know, I think the old school way of planning churches is let's stretch the wineskin out here and hope the wine fills it rather than allow the Spirit just to, to do it in His timing. And through a whole lot of journeying of us um, not wanting to be a... Our, our model is not like a franchise model. So we do not have the expectation for Matt and Sarah to plant 
something that is a mirror image of this with small groups and this and that and the other. Our heart is to release all of our church communities into their own unique expression. And so that's going to be very defined by who the leaders are and also what the community needs. And so we're really excited about, um, about that. And so in that journey, long story short, we just came to a point where um, we just realised they don't need to all be called Empower Church. And so in the background, we're setting up what we're going to call in, uh, like a network over the top of all the churches that we end up pioneering. And uh, some of these communities will be pioneered out of the east. Some of these communities we pioneered out of the north. Then we're also going to be doing the west. We're going to be doing the south. It's really, really exciting. And so we just wanted to communicate that to you today, um, that as of um, now, but really moving momentum into the end of this year and early next year, what was Empower East will become Thrive Community Church or Thrive Community. And so we're super excited as we stand as a community with Matt and Sarah to be a part of pioneering something so powerful in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Awesome? Um, We want to thank you all, but firstly, we just want to thank Matt and Alicia for joining with us and partnering in the spirit, really, because the four of us together are walking a journey that not many people walk. Um, And as we have progressed down this, everybody knows I don't really like the word journey, but I understand we are on one. So um, as we walk down this path, it has become more and more evident to all of us that the way God speaks and the way God moves never changes. But our interpretation of that changes because just of circumstances or the way that we've interpreted things initially can change. And so we are truly thankful for the season that we have had as a name of Empower East, we have gathered together multiple families and people that are really um, walking alongside us and we are excited about the journey to become Thrive. We are looking to begin as Thrive Community in February next year. Um, We've got a lot of people that are praying for us, that are standing with us and we would ask you guys, if you would as well, just in your prayer lives, um, join with us in the spirit because this is you and us. We're all family together. There is only one church. We are the church of the body of Christ. And so together we would ask you to join with us to pray that together both Empower North, I don't really know, it's kind of weird now, Empower, um, and Thrive would continue to grow together in finding out what this new wineskin is. It's fun. (laughs) Um, But it's also challenging in many other ways and we're being stretched personally. Mindsets are being broken. There are lots of things that are coming away from us um, that we would be used to doing and so our expression is quite different. Um, That's why I excuse our three noisy children because like they're not used to this at all. (laughs) And so um, yeah, our biggest, our heart is that 
you know, we will join with you to pray for, to see the kingdom of God advance in different ways, but be represented in different ways as well throughout our beautiful nation and to see more people added to the kingdom. And today we did, um, Matt text and said, oh, it's a family service. And Matt and I were like, woo, winner. Like we have family services every week. So we are in this together today. If you, um, Matt is only going to speak for a short time. He has assured me that it is only going to be... Yeah, <laughs> it, ru- it runs with the name over, over talking, but I could probably do the same. Um, so today, if when you walked in, you would have ha- been asked if you would like a quiz to take part in, and that is because this is a family service. So that means whether you are seven, five, seven, all the way up to the more mature, I'm not allowed to say old at thrive I'm only allowed to say more mature so if and if you are more mature there are prizes at the end so if you complete your preaching scavenger hunt slash quiz and you get all the answers correct there is a prize at the end there are five prizes going for the first five families that present their scavenger hunt answers to Alicia Matt or myself and we will make sure that prizes are hanging out. But the catch is that you do have to listen to the whole message. <laughs> because if you don't listen to the whole message, you might miss an answer. And that could be bad. So make sure that you take part of it. It's fun. It's a bit of fun. It's hopefully, you know, just we're here as family. God created us to be in family. We can all enjoy this together. So have a great morning. Have fun. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure whether Sarah's idea of doing the quiz was about family or just recognizing that people might not pay attention during my message, right? I don't know whether that was a backhanded compliment of her saying that perhaps my messages aren't necessarily as engaging as they could be. No, no. But I do want to um, just re-emphasize what, what Matt and Alicia said before as well, that totally fine if there's noise and other bits and pieces throughout the, the morning as I'm sharing as well. Last Sunday, actually, um, it was pretty funny. We arrived at our building and there'd been a power outage and the whole access card system had gone down and so nobody could get into the building. And so we ended up deciding to do church outside, thought we'd found a, a really great spot around the side of the building. And I was maybe five minutes into the message and discovered that we were right next to the cricket change rooms. And so we had about 25 cricketers coming and going the whole time throughout the message. I think a few people were trying to work out which brand name bag was louder than other ones. <laughs> But regardless, totally fine um, if there's noise and, and bits and pieces along the way. But I do want to just say thank you to, to Matt and Alicia as well along the lines of what Sarah just said. So blessed to be able to be on this journey together, not only with them, but with all of you as well. We are all part of the one family, one kingdom, one church, and we serve one Savior, one Lord, and one King. I might just open up in prayer and then we'll jump straight into it this morning. So we do recognize, Lord, that you are our only one, our only savior, our only redeemer, our only king, and we choose to fix our hearts and our eyes upon you. We thank you that you're here amongst us and you're uniting us together for one cause, for one kingdom, for one truth and for one gospel. And so, Lord, we just pray that the unity of your spirit would move amongst us this morning. Draw us closer to you, closer to all that you're calling us to step into. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy and your kindness. And we choose to just open up our hearts and open up our eyes to all that you have for us this morning. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So good. Well, I'm going to jump straight into it. As I said, 
Mark chapter 11 and verse 15 to 17. I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. If you want to turn there, I did bring an old school Bible. I haven't brought one for a little while. Old school Bible as well as the iPad. Mark chapter 11, verse 15 to 17. And it says, Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple grounds and began driving out with force the people who were selling and buying animals for sacrifice in the temple area, and overturned the tables of the money changers who made a profit exchanging foreign money for temple coinage and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise or household wares through the temple grounds, using the temple area irreverently as a shortcut. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den? And look, it did cross my mind with a family service whether we decide to put on a little drama and act this one out, and I thought it might get a little bit crazy. Maybe too many people wanting to be Jesus, knocking over tables and chairs, probably breaches all sorts of OH&S policies. Alicia's kind of freaking out and glad that I didn't end up going down that path. But this is a really interesting passage, and I've been drawn to this as well as the accounts in the other Gospels, right? This is actually reflected in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is a little bit of a debate if you study it out whether the account in John is the same as the one that's in the three other Gospels. But there is an account of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple and clearing out the the money changers and those selling animals in every single one of the Gospels. And I've been really drawn to this over the last month or so. And as I've been praying on that, and even just in the conversations I've been having, including people just before we walked in, that there seems to be you know, a work of cleansing and clearing out and getting rid of the old that's continuing to happen in the lives of many people across the church. There's this sense of overturning tables of religion and tradition and just finding ourselves perhaps in some challenging scenarios as God is cleansing and clearing out and doing the work that He wants to do in and through us. And I can see a few people nodding. You know, perhaps you've had things come up for you, things coming to a head. There's been a whole lot of transition or change or whatever it might be for you, letting go of the old or letting go of what you thought things were going to look like. And we find ourselves in a similar kind of situation to what Jesus ended up walking through in the temple. And while finding ourselves in those kind of situations isn't necessarily easy, and we often want it to, you know, be done really, really quickly, it does sometimes take a little while, but I want to encourage us this morning that being in that season of clearing out and letting go and allowing things to be overturned, it actually is a really important part of God establishing what He wants to do inside of us so we can step into all that He wants to do in the days, weeks, and months to come. I was reminded of Leviticus 26, verse 10 to 12. It says, you will eat the old supply of abundant produce and clear out the old to make room for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject nor separate itself from you. I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. And I feel like this in many ways is almost exactly what Jesus was doing when he walked into the temple all those years ago. Jesus had come to earth, in fact, in many ways to establish a new way of doing things, a new covenant to clear out the old way of religion and tradition where For all of the Israelites then, that they no longer had to attend the physical temple in Jerusalem, but instead, Jesus was ushering in a new covenant where we became the temple of God. We became the dwelling place of the presence 
of God. And, you know, we read a number of passages throughout the New Testament, including 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells permanently in you, collectively and individually? I love that in the Amplified, that the the Spirit of God dwells in us collectively when we come together, but also individually. When you're at work, when you're at home, the Spirit of God dwells with you there just as much as He dwells with us collectively when we gather together as a family. And so what Jesus did in clearing out the temple there, He was motivated by His passion for the house of God, His love for the house of God. In many ways, I think He's doing a similar thing inside of us at the moment as well, motivated again by a love and a passion for each and every single one of us to be all that God's calling us to be. It's his desire to see you flourish. It's desire to see you thrive that is motivating the cleansing and the clearing and the letting go so you can fulfill all that God has for you in the future and the years to come. So while there's a lot that we could dig into just from those couple of verses in Mark that I read at the beginning, I just want to spend a few minutes focusing on one statement. And as Sarah said, I, I'll try not to go on too long. I've kind of set my timer for three Bluey episodes. All right, I think Bluey episodes for parents, you probably know, they go for about seven minutes. So we'll see. There's probably people watching Bluey somewhere. Maybe you can be my alarm clock, get through three Bluey episodes, and then let me know if that's, if, if that's the end. But what I want to focus on out of that passage from Mark chapter 11 is this one statement. And it says, Jesus would not permit anyone to carry merchandise or household wares through the temple grounds, using the temple area irreverently as a shortcut. And what's really interesting when you dig into each of the different accounts, they seem to have a different emphasis. And this one here focuses on Jesus not allowing anyone to carry merchandise or household wares and using the temple as a shortcut. And I've uh, thinking about this, I've, I've found it really challenging and convicting. I don't know about you, but I actually really like a shortcut, to be honest, right? It kind of saves time. One of the, the dorky dad things that I've started doing, and Sarah's had a go at me a few times, but I actually quite enjoy flicking through Google Maps and just trying to find the right way to get places and looking for different paths. Even we were recently on holiday in Queensland, and I just like exploring different running routes and places to go, and I really like a shortcut, and I'm not sure about you, but I suspect there's many of us that actually would prefer to use a shortcut rather than the detour or the long cut. Even just getting in, MJ's on board with a shortcut, even getting into the car park this morning, I was like, a shortcut would be handy right about now. That's right. <laughs> but I love shortcuts. And so Jesus having a go at all of the people walking through the temple for using it as a shortcut really grabbed me and struck me in my spirit. And the reason he spoke so strongly about this was because uh, according to Jewish tradition, if you carried merchandise or goods or, as it says here, household wares through the temple, that was a way of showing great disrespect to God and the house of God. You weren't allowed to come in wearing your sandals. You weren't allowed to come in with dust on your feet. You weren't allowed to come in carrying household goods because the temple was not to be a place of thoroughfare. It was not to be a place to try and help you get somewhere else quicker. It was actually a place where you're meant to slow down and connect with God through prayer and worship. It was meant to be that house of prayer for all the nations and the busyness of people coming and going through the temple court meant that it got in the way of people being able to do those things. And it was a sign of disrespect or irreverence towards God and his house. And so if we think about Jesus saying this, in the physical temple in Jerusalem, but we recognize that now in the new covenant, in the life that we have with Jesus today, actually we are the temple of God. 
You know, that physical temple was just a type and a shadow of the temple that we have now as followers of Jesus. As I've been reflecting on that, I've been thinking about, well, what does that mean for my own walk with Jesus? What does that mean for my own relationship with God? If Jesus was having a go at them for taking shortcuts through the temple, what does that mean for my own walk with Jesus? How does that play out? And as I've been reflecting on that, I actually think, and you know, I'm preaching to myself here this morning, that if I think about shortcuts, we actually chase after those, perhaps inadvertently look for those more often than we think in our relationship with Jesus, at least speaking for myself. You know, perhaps it's wanting a shortcut for breakthrough in a particular circumstance because we don't want to take the longer road of genuinely letting go and forgiving and moving past offense or whatever it might be that's holding us back. We want to find a shortcut to power, authority, success, or opportunity without actually walking that road of sacrifice and surrender. We want to find a shortcut to a problem that we're facing or an answer on that next step without actually taking the time to sit with Jesus and wait and wrestle through some of the things that perhaps are going on inside of us. And we would prefer to find the shortcut to the quick answer and just move on. We want to find a shortcut to get to the other side of a particular mountain or a battle, whatever it is that might be standing in front of us, because we'd prefer not to have to take that road outside of our comfort zone, and we'd prefer the shortcut to just to go straight through. And I wonder whether in your own life, perhaps you think about some of the shortcuts that you're often drawn to in your walk with Jesus. Are there shortcuts perhaps that you're chasing right now? Are there quick fixes that you would much prefer to see rather than walking that narrow road with Jesus? What does that look like in your own life? And while this is challenging for us, and I think particularly in our kind of microwave society where we want things quickly, we like the shortcut. I feel like some of you know, our kids, and maybe it's getting worse in the next generation, kind of two-minute noodles is too long to wait for lunch and those sorts of things where really we're, we're, we're so often looking for the quick fix. We're so often looking for the shortcut. But actually, when we think about things from God's perspective, he's more interested in the long game. He's not so interested in the quick fix and the quick turnaround tomorrow. He's actually more interested in continuing to see you grow and become more and more like Jesus, to continue to see you know him more and more and be conformed and transformed into his image. That ultimately is what he's interested in above all else. Yes, he's a powerful God and we can see suddenlies and believe for those in a moment, but we also need to recognize that the journey with God is a long game and he wants to continue to work at our hearts and transform things inside of us. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 to 14 in the message translation. It says, don't look for shortcuts to God. This is Jesus speaking. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. What a powerful statement. And yes, that's the message translation. You know, this is the finding the narrow road and few find that path translated in the message, but so powerful. And I feel like it's such a true reflection of society today in so many ways, isn't it? So many people are out there looking for quick fixes to a successful life, looking for shortcuts to just make everything happen the way that they want. And crowds of people are out there doing that. But Jesus says here that the way to life is vigorous and requires total attention. You know, it might not be 
the most popular kind of new marketing slogan for a church plant to say, you know, the way to life with Jesus is vigorous and requires total attention. It might not be the most seeker-friendly message, but actually this is the truth of the Word of God, that walking the way of life with Jesus isn't about shortcuts, but it's about being vigorous and disciplined and giving our total attention and affection to Him and continuing on that journey of trying to do that more and more because none of us are perfect and we're all on a path of trying to continue to be transformed more and more into His image. And Jesus not only kind of says that there in Matthew 7, but when you look back through all of Scripture, you know, we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's passages all throughout Scripture that point to the fact that God is not a God of shortcuts. You look at the Israelites coming out of Egypt, Exodus 13, 17 to 18. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. He deliberately chose not to take them down the short route, the quick route. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So often we don't see his perspective. So often we don't understand what else is going on. And we think we know best by running after a shortcut, but actually God has our best at heart if we just continue to follow the path that he has laid out for us. Even though it might be longer, even though it might have a few more twists and turns, Ultimately, his desire is for us to continue to grow in love and grow in the nature and the character of Jesus. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And one of the things that strikes me from this passage here is that while shortcuts might seem like a good idea at the beginning of the journey, they actually very often don't lead us to the promised land. In fact, as it says here, God didn't want them to go that way because if they were faced with a battle, they might return back to Egypt. So often when we pursue shortcuts, we actually end up struggling again with the same issue, the same battle, the same whatever it was that we were trying to get away from to begin with. When we pursue shortcuts, so often we find ourselves just going around the same mountain again and again, looking for the next quick fix and unable to actually deal with the root of what it is that's going on. I don't know about you, but I've certainly experienced that in my life where you've got something where you feel like, and I'm going around the same mountain again and again. And too often it's because I haven't actually taken the time to sit and allow God to deal with whatever it is that's really going on. I'm just looking for the next quick fix. I just want to move on to the next thing. And as a result of that, I don't find the promised land and I'm back in Egypt in bondage and slavery to the same thing that I was dealing with before. And perhaps to take this a little bit deeper, I think we could probably say that almost all sin is actually as a result of us choosing some form of shortcut or another. Almost all sin is as a result of us choosing some form of shortcut in our lives or in our walk with God. You know, we, we do something because we want a shortcut to taking away those feelings or to taking away that pain. Perhaps we, we look at something we shouldn't look at because we want a shortcut to intimacy rather than actually taking the time to being vulnerable and authentic and developing our relationships. We get angry or treat people poorly because we want a shortcut to just getting our own way and having things go the way we want them to go rather than taking the time to actually learn and understand and grow our relationships with one another. We give in to peer pressure or we do things just to please others because we want a shortcut to acceptance and influence. That's all right. 
Can't get angry. It's my kids and I'm preaching about not getting angry at other people. <laughs> we give in to peer pressure or doing things to please other people because, you know, we want a shortcut to being accepted. We want a shortcut to amount of influence or whatever it might be rather than actually allowing God to continue to establish his identity more and more in our hearts. And that sometimes can be a longer journey. You see, the longer route of sitting with God, asking him to show us, you know, what's going on in our hearts, how it is that we can actually continue to be transformed into his image, how it is that we might process some of the feelings that we're feeling, waiting on him, all of that stuff often takes time and isn't necessarily the easy road. So while it might require more patience and it seems like more effort, the longer journey is always worth the delay in the end. The longer journey is always worth that additional amount of sacrifice, that additional amount of time in the end, because ultimately our promised land of knowing Christ and being transformed into his image is the greatest prize of all. And the Apostle Paul knew this all too well and shared it so many times throughout his epistles in Scripture. I've just picked one verse here, Philippians 3 verse 8. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. What a powerful statement and something that really for me is quite challenging, that he counted everything else as loss. No matter how tempting the shortcut might be, he counted everything else as loss. He was willing to lose time, lose opportunities, lose worldly success, lose anything and everything. He was willing to give it all up even though the road ahead was windy and had twists and turns and struggles because he knew that the prize of knowing Christ at the end was worth it all. And I think these kind of focus on shortcuts sometimes actually is, is another symptom of, you know, ultimately the journey that we're all on together is wanting to kind of dismantle the lie that says church is just two hours on a Sunday morning. Right, because we are the church everywhere that we go. Church is not just what we're doing here on a Sunday morning, but it's every day of every month of every year. We are the church in the workplace. We are the church at home. We are the church on the road. We are the church in this building. We are the church at school. We are the church at university. But if we accept some of that lie that says church is just a building that we go to for two hours on a Sunday, I can see why perhaps you'd want a shortcut. I can see why perhaps you feel like things need to happen quickly because, I don't know, there's a sermon today on shortcuts and I've only got a week really to or a couple of hours to deal with that that needs to be sorted before the next revelation and the next topic comes up next Sunday and there's this kind of inadvertent focus on feeling like we need to deal with things quickly or we do I don't know a four-week course on something and then we move on and we feel like well that's that should all be sorted now or at least there's an assumption from others perhaps that you feel the pressure that it should all be sorted now because I did a four-week course but can we just dismantle some of those lies and those perspectives and say that, you know what, you have permission and it's okay to spend six months working on one particular revelation, one particular area of your life. Sometimes we need time to be able to process things. Let go of the pressure that says you need to deal with, you know, this thing for that week and this thing for the next week and this thing for the next week and this thing for the next week. It's totally fine to just sit with the Lord and allow him to do a deeper work in your heart so you don't go back to Egypt, so you don't go back to that same struggle, so you don't go back to that same issue, but you actually find the promised land of real freedom and genuine growth in Christ. 
And this is why ultimately I love being on the journey together with Matt and Alicia and all of you. It's everyone, everywhere, every day. It's genuinely allowing God to do what He wants to do in us every day, not just two hours on a Sunday. And I believe if we do that like the Israelites, while it might be a longer route sometimes and it feels like you're going through the wilderness, we will be people who inherit the promised land. And so, Matt, I'm not sure whether you want to come up. I'm almost wrapping up. I'm not sure how the Bluey episodes are going. Are we through two? Are we into the third one yet? Probably. <laughs> but if we're going to be people who, who avoid spiritual shortcuts, then what does that look like practically in our lives? I just want to share a couple of final thoughts with you before we finish. The first is we need to be in the habit of actually asking God to show us what's going on in our hearts. You know, ultimately, sometimes the, the desire for shortcuts is our default response and we're not even aware of what's really going on. And so it's taking time to actually ask God, Lord, are there any areas in my life where at the moment I'm looking for the quick fix and actually there's deeper stuff going on? Are there any parts of my walk with you where perhaps I'm looking for shortcuts when I should be focusing on you and your character instead? There's a great passage of scripture from, from Psalm 139, 23 to 24 in the Passion Translation. And I come back to this quite often and I feel like it's just a powerful passage to pray if you feel like you're in that kind of scenario. It says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. And I encourage you, perhaps in your own time, just read that as a prayer to the Lord and ask Him to sift your heart and show you if there's any paths of pain that you're walking on so that He can help lead you back to that everlasting way back to Him. And I feel like this is a beautiful image even of choosing not to walk the path of pain, which often is the lure of a shortcut, right? I think we find ourselves on the path of pain so often because we took a shortcut path. But actually what we want here, as it says so powerfully, we wanna be led back even if it's longer, even if it's windier, even if there's more twists and turns, we wanna be on that path that leads us back to glorious, everlasting life. And so spending time to just sit with the Lord and ask Him to search your heart and show you. And secondly, I think I was praying about this message last night and I felt like God spoke to me and said that shortcuts and short-sightedness go hand in hand. Shortcuts and short-sightedness go hand in hand. If we can't see far away, if we can't see the long game, if we can't see through eternity's perspective, we can't see the prize of Jesus waiting for us at the end of this journey, then we'll very very likely be those that are continually giving in to shortcuts. If we have short-sightedness and inability to see from eternity's perspective, we'll struggle to say no to the quick fix that presents itself because shortcuts and short-sightedness go hand in hand. And when you think about the journey of Jesus, I feel like he's a wrestle in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was saying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup away from me, was almost him wrestling with the possibility of shortcuts where he didn't need to go through the cross. But no, he endured and he resisted that temptation and went through the cross. How did he do that? Because he saw the prize that was set before him. Hebrews 12 verse 2. He for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame. And he's now seated at the right hand of the throne 
of God. Can I encourage you not only to open your heart up and allow God to show you and reveal things, perhaps areas of your walk where we need to turn away from shortcuts, but also let's be people who focus on the prize that is set before us of Jesus Christ Himself, the victory that we have in Him, the joy of knowing Him and being transformed into His image. And if we're able to see the long game, it's much easier to resist the shortcut and the quick fix in the here and now. And that's my prayer for all of us and my own life and our journey as well, that we would see God heal our short-sightedness and that He would break the lure of shortcuts, break the temptation of shortcuts so that we're walking the path that He wants us to walk, that path of everlasting, glorious life. And so you can put down your notes. I don't know whether many people have answered all of the questions in the quiz. We might just spend just a moment or two as we close our time together in worship. So you can put down your Bibles or your phones or whatever it is. I'm just gonna briefly pray and then we'll just spend a moment or two in worship before we wrap up our time together. And perhaps this is a moment right here and right now for you to pray that prayer similar to Psalm 139 where you ask God to speak to your heart and show you an area of your life perhaps where you can adjust your path in the way that you're walking. And so Lord Jesus, we choose to come to you right now. We choose to humble ourselves before you, the great I am, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we say, Lord, we want nothing but to follow the path that you have for us. We know that our own ways and our own agendas ultimately lead to nothing. And so, Lord, we just invite your searching gaze into our hearts right now. Come and search us and show us and lead us back to that path of glorious, everlasting life. If there's any paths of pain or shortcuts that we're pursuing, Lord, would you reveal those to us and help us to navigate our way back to you? For we know you are our promised land and you are the perfect destination. Open our eyes to see what you see. Open our eyes to see from eternity's perspective so that we might be choosing the way that you're calling us to walk. We love you, we worship you, and we praise you. And we honour you as the great God Almighty. We honour you as the one who's so safe and so kind and so gentle with us. Though we continue to stray, you lead us back with open arms. And so Lord, we just wanna thank you and praise you this morning. You are worthy of all our praise, worthy of all our worship, worthy of all glory and all honour. And we exalt you together and recognise that you are our only hope, our only strength. And you, Lord Jesus, would you have your way in every single one of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.
you'd like prayer this morning, our team's going to be out in the front. So if you want prayer, you can feel free to come to the front. Or if you just want to continue to worship, you go ahead and you do that. But otherwise, you're, you're released to go um, into the foyer. If you've got those surveys to hand in for your prizes, there's a line right there. <laughs> Matt and Sarah, you can see them. Thanks, Matt, for a great word. And thank you, Matt and Sarah, for being here. And also Marley and Joel and Nuni. Yeah, feel free to continue to worship or to come to the front for prayer this morning.
Savior. 